Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Joining us from Only Endurance is our new friend, Tim. Tim, first off, how are you? Yeah, doing good, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't, to start off, I can't believe it's 2023 already. I don't know if it's just a sign of Agreed. getting old, but I still feel like it's 2012. So I'm a bit confused as to why I'm having to write 2023. But yeah, doing really good. I'm really excited to A, be on the podcast to begin with as well. It's great to be joining you guys. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, looking forward to an exciting season of motorsport ahead. Frenchie, how are you? Doing well. Um, they're currently drilling on the front steps outside my house. So hopefully that doesn't come through in the podcast. I thought they would take the day off today, but apparently not. Uh, so we're just going to roll with it. Awesome. Well, you know, that's that happens. I'm sure at some point the dog will be making noise in the background here because he's been like a maniac today. But anyway, we're going to talk some WEC today. We'll, we'll switch it up slightly. Since Frenchie and I are doing a lot of IMSA stuff this year, I figured kind of like let's let's dive all in on it. And I have to admit, I don't really know all that much about it. I haven't watched too much over the years other than, you know, like the big Lamar every year. But I don't know where to start. So, Tim, you're you're more of the expert than, than either of us. Sure. So, what makes WEC so special year after year? I think the big thing for me is that, uh, as with endurance racing and sports cars around the world, the entry lists are just getting more and more impressive as time goes on. Obviously, the the attraction for the World Endurance Championship is that it is a, an FIA championship. You know, it's amongst Formula One, WRC, Formula E is considered, you know, the pinnacle. Okay, up for debate as to which, you know, which championship is the pinnacle. Happy to have that chat and, you know, it can go either way. Yeah. But um, the WC is just a, a, an incredible championship. Entry lists are amazing. Races are proper endurance races there's always that feeling of needing to slog it out and get to the end in every single round and it's just where all the good stories and all the good parts of uh of endurance and sports car racing come together um it has i think a, a reputation for maybe not being as exciting in the last few years but coming into 2023 as we all know uh new era of cars etc really just starting to build up and it's almost feels like a rebirth of the series this year. I guess let me just ask for our listeners of when did you first get into endurance racing and particularly WEC or WEC? Yeah, so I, uh, like most motorsport fans, got into racing through Formula One, through a you know a family member that watches F1, and that's how I started getting into it. And then I remember playing Gran Turismo 4 on my PlayStation 2 and I had uh I just started going after all the sports cars there you know there was some uh there was like the Mercedes CLKs in there and some some proper old school kind of yeah. GT1 I think there's the Lister Storm as well which I remember loving and um I just started to get interested in in the, the sports car side of things through there a friend and and I um, I remember after school we went and watched uh, I stayed around his house and we watched Le Mans in 2011 so that was the first time I watched Le Mans I was probably 13 or 14 um, and then yeah since then I've got progressively more and more into it and it's kind of in my rankings it's overtaken Formula One and been the, the series that I'm most most interested in and then 
yes, I'd say since probably 2014, 15, when, when LMP1 hybrid really kicked off and Porsche, Audi and Toyota were slogging it out in the, in the top, top class there. That's when I really kind of committed and, and fell in love properly hard with, uh, with Le Mans and, and endurance racing. Definitely. So on that note, you run, let's say only endurance. How did that start? And you know, what else other than WC is on there and, and, uh, you know, tell us about that adventure. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I was at university and like probably a lot of people who are at uni don't really know what they're going to go on to do next. Um, just kind of trying to find your way in the world. Suddenly you're given a lot of adult responsibilities and you're not really sure what to do. So, um, I started trying to work out where I could see myself and what it was I a was passionate about, but B that I could maybe start a career in and, and make, you know, make my own in the future. Um, I set up the page under a different name and was just running it kind of posting cool images and covering all different kinds of racing on there. Then towards end of 2019 early 2020 I changed the name to the racing blog and uh, that's when thing re- things really kicked off I focused basically on uh, endurance racing but predominantly WEC and IMSA um, those you know kind of putting those two forward those championships forward as the the top of sports car racing and basically covering the stories the news the rumors the um, you know driver transfers new teams new cars cool moments kind of general appreciation for those kind of two series um then towards the end of last year i thought you know what time for a bit of a rebrand start of something new like as has been mentioned a million times probably need a buzzer for people saying new era of sports cars you need you need a jingle to play every time someone says that but i thought you know why not let's go for a new look this this time and, and, and start something fresh and so uh yeah predominantly a, an instagram and twitter platform um, like I say, covering WEC and IMSA, but I'm expanding this year to uh, the European Le Mans series as well and the GT World Challenge Endurance, which is obviously the, the big kind of GT3 series. Um, and and yes, yeah, some of the Blue Ribbon events like the Spa 24 Hours, the Nürburgring 24, um, hopefully becoming a bit of a go-to place for, for people on, on social media when looking for, for endurance racing. So thinking about, like you said, this new generation or new era, right, that's kind of harking back to that, I don't know, I guess everyone, or for me, I'm a big classic motorsports fan, so I I always go and down the the rabbit hole of watching, you know, old GTP cars and, you know, just seeing the, the, what I think is the heyday of like the 80s when the turbos were out of control. Um do you think we're going to see basically the closest racing that we've had since that? Or maybe would you compare this era to maybe just a step on from the LMP1 that we've seen? Yeah. Uh, you know, the heyday in the mid 2000s. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting comparison, you know, because people have been heralding this as like the new golden era. Um, I think that they're, they're different in their own way and we'll always look back at them as being quite unique and having their own. Uh, trip hazards and problems but also you know their own kind of beauties and and individualities i think the current is it it is easy to just say like this is uh the new group c or you know this is the new gtp i think it's quite easy to just lump that 
that burden on it. I think the the best approach is to just take it as it is. You know, it's a whole new formula of car. Um, okay, DPI 2.0 is how it's been referred to. You know, it's a development of that, if it, talking about yeah. LMDH, GTP. But, you know, it's its its own new chapter. And I think we've got to give it the respect and, and allow it to, to write its own story, really. Um, obviously, the the names that are joining the the cars we know are, are just really cool um and to go from or i would say has been a difficult period you know since audi and porsche left lmp1 in wec you know the the toyota years if you want to call them yeah. you know 18 19 20 and then yeah into 21 and 22 it's kind of i feel like WEC fans we've all been looking forward to this um and so I wouldn't say it was a continuation of LMP1 because I really think that was, you know, again, that was a chapter that's kind of closed now and, and, and gone on and we're we're all kind of eager to kick off something new. So on that note, there's obviously a bunch of new teams and whatnot, especially in the hypercar class this year. Mm. So for those who are going, okay, well, who are the new teams or new cars? What's out there this year? Yeah, so... Uh, if you watch IMSA or you've watched WEC or in fact you're a new fan completely, there's a whole new regulation of cars, those being uh, the LMDHs and the Le Mans hypercars. And they come together to race in the hypercar class in WEC. They're two answers to the same question, if you like. Um, the new cars that are joining this year are obviously the Cadillac, the VLMDH that we'll see in IMSA. Uh, Porsche's 963 LMDH, uh, which will be in the hands of both the, the factory team and two customers as well. So yeah. Jota Sport and Proton Competition might be two names you've heard uh, from Jota have run LMP2 cars and Proton have run GTE AM, but also they've run GT3s in, in America. Um, then, uh, so I think that's it in terms of LMDH cars, but then we've got yeah. the new Ferrari coming online, the 499P. So that's Ferrari's first factory top class effort in your world level sports car championships for 50 years. So, you know, it's a real big, uh, you know, new chapter. It's a real big point for Ferrari to bring a, a factory car to, uh, you know, the world sports car championship of, of of our era if you like um so that's a massive storyline you know ferrari big name like that committing quite a bit of budget and a new car to a championship uh but the cars that are already racing um we've got the uh, toyota gro 10 which is a hypercar uh that has been around since 2021 and that's more or less been the car to beat it's been with toyota but it hasn't had everything its own way you know it's had its own teething problems so Toyota might may seem from the outside like this unbeatable force in WEC but actually now with this car which hasn't had everything go its own way you know I think there is a chance that um, you'll see that that's not quite the case anymore that Toyota don't just win everything. Peugeot's 9x8 that's the bonkers hypercar that you know doesn't have a rear wing that uh you know that's all over socials all the time because I love it. yeah. it's crazy isn't it and i think that's what's really cool about this whole new category is there are these different solutions if you like to to the the problem um 
Glickenhaus, obviously, the, the the American guys, uh, they're back again in 2023. So it's going to be cool to see that car, the SEG 007. Great sound and great looking car. Um, and of course, the, the last one to add in is the uh, the Floyd Van Wall uh, Vandervel. You might have seen all the confusion about Van Wall's branding rights, copyright issues, etc., etc. But they have got the tick, the the green light to go ahead for 2023. So we'll be seeing that that car um, racing. So look, across, how many you know manufacturers have I just named? How many kind of you know new cars have just been named? This was just super exciting for for fans and for newbies as well. You know, if you're new to the sport, what a time to be to be getting excited about it and and, and tuning in. So I guess just thinking about, we always hear this discussion of. F1 being so expensive, right? And mm. thinking about the the technology being the, I guess, the driver of F1, so to speak, or, you know, of development in F1. I don't know if this is really publicly out there or not, but what is the budget comparison for a WEC program? Because I assume it's not necessarily cheap, but obviously no. we're going to see really close racing and, you know, the height of technology for probably i would assume less than f1 you would one would think yeah i think it's um it's a tricky one to put a number on exactly um i wouldn't be able to do that but yeah it's nowhere near the cost of f1 and um part of the reason i think we've seen the the real interest is because of that you know because it's not going to take a massive dent into your annual budget to be able to to produce a race car and run it um you know these are big manufacturers that we're seeing but the fact that we're seeing these privateer teams if you like you know like glickenhaus like vanwall able to build a car themselves you know okay yeah there's there's help potentially or i know glickenhaus had help from uh jost racing which people would know from like audi days and also from um you know, just that they're, they're such a big name. But the fact that they're able to build cars and race them in a world championship proves that money isn't everything in this sport. It obviously goes a long way, and obviously, money is a massive part of it, as it is part of every motorsport. But the other thing, as well, particularly in the top class, is that the it's a balance of performance category. So it works the same way that GT3 racing does, you know, hence why you see a, a V10 Audi and, you know, uh, a, a V8 Aston Martin and Mercedes or whatever, you know, different formats of cars still able to compete level, you know, uh, different, completely different, you know, styles or philosophies can still race together on track. The top class in WEC now is also going to be VOP'd. So, you know, you get that. Uh, there's not the need to spend the money for performance. So in Formula One, it's, you know, spend, 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 because we need to be developing parts, keeping on top of the game, whatever. With the hypercars, whatever you do, you're going to get balanced against the other guys. So there's not that need to spend the money. And also there's, uh, you know, regulations, aerodynamic regulations, etc., that mean you don't need to spend all that money. Um, and one big thing, last point, is that these new cars, if we're talking about the hypercar class, they are locked in via homologation. So when the cars are made, they have to submit, this is the car, this is the blueprints, if you like, and that's locked in for five years, I believe. So 
you don't need to spend that money on building a new car every year, keeping on top of development race, whatever, you know, you've got your your car and you're not necessarily stuck with it, but that's your that's your ride for five years, basically. So thank you. That's right. Long answer. Realized I, of, I said a lot there. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. That makes long answers make me happy. <laughs> it's a lot less editing for me to do afterwards. <laughs> but you know, kind of on that note, and we've we've comparing you know comparing a little bit kind of IMSA and, and WEC. But other than the hypercar, is there any changes to the other classes yeah. this year? Yeah. So. Um... So the other categories this year are LMP2 um, and GTE AM. So there's only one GT class this year. The the GTE Pro category is, is going away. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Um, That basically just reduced in numbers from its peak in 2018, 19, when there was, you know, Aston Martin, Ford, BMW, Porsche, Ferrari, it just started to whittle away as those programs shut down. Um, and after last year, where there were five cars all season, and with the dawn, you know, of, of Ferrari, say, or Porsche joining the hypercar class, it was deemed that it was time to to put that to bed. Um, so two categories, LMP2 and GTEM. The what's interesting here, though, is that in it, there's no regulation changes as such. There's no you know big changes to the cars, etc. But it's the last year for GTE machinery. So 2023 GTE AM. That's the last time we'll see like the 911 RSR, uh, the 488 Evo GTE, the Aston Martin Vantage GTE. This will be the last year before in 2024 we swapped to a GT3 formula. So there aren't necessarily massive changes at the moment in those other categories, yeah. but changes on the horizon. And, and obviously that GTE Pro being dropped is, is something to be aware of. When you show up and think, that where's where's that fourth class gone? But it's, um, yeah, unfortunately we've lost it, but um, I think GTM will make up for it. Awesome. So I've been seeing some of the, the driver announcements, which have been pretty incredible, I think, for the just full-time 
WEC programs. Can you maybe highlight some of the cool ones? Like I saw Jacques Villeneuve is going to be driving for that yeah. uh, Van Wall program. Um, yeah. Uh, what did I see? Valentino Rossi is going to be uh, well, like, he, testing a BMW LMDH yeah. car. Yeah. So he's going to be testing a car. Um, and nothing confirmed yet about if he'll ever drive one in, in a race, but I think he's definitely interested uh, with WRT running BMW's entry next year, 24 BMW being WEC. Um, yeah, the driver announcements have been big, obviously. we And because they're factory efforts, you know, they're the factory Porsche team, factory Ferrari team, you know, they're going to go with the big guns. And what's interesting as well is that a lot of these names are called up from GT racing. So if you look through the, the entry list and you look at the Porsche team for example Michael Christensen Frederick Makovecki Kevin Estra Lawrence Vantor they've all made their name in GT cars uh the Ferrari lineup for example is predominantly their GTE pro you know talent that they've then called up to the big team Antonio Fuoco Miguel Molina James Collado Alessandro Pierguidi you know these are names that people will know from GT competition um so yeah, super interesting to see these guys getting the drive. The ones, like I say, that you ask, you know, what the ones to look out for, or be interested in. I think those GT drivers, how they adapt, um, and that's something that we're seeing across IMSA as well. You know, in the GTP class, BMW, for example, you know, a lot of those drivers are, are GT guys. Going to be really interesting to see how they adapt, but also it's just across the board it, really exciting you know there's just such it's it's star studded really um like you say jack villeneuve driving the van wall car it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on debuting in wec you know this is his first time in the series um he has raced at le mans before but first time in a little while um so a big name to keep an eye on i'm not sure how it will go for him but we'll be i'm sure we'll all be keeping tabs um Still a few spots as well up for grabs in in the customer teams as well. But again, that's another interesting little part of this new category is that it's not only factory teams. You know, you can buy a car from Porsche, uh, you know, buy a car from, uh, you know, in the future when we'll have BMW, say, or like, you know, you have with Acura with Wayne Taylor and and Maya Shank, kind of semi-customer teams, you get opportunities for different lineups and different drivers in there so at the moment we're we're going to have two fat, um customer porsche teams in WEC this year joining probably at the spa six hours so the last race before le mans those being joe to sport and proton competition and it'd be interesting to see who they you know decide to sign and, and put in there because they might be factory guys left over that get you know sent their way to help them get up to speed with the car or it could be completely left field picks that really bring you know, something quite interesting. Um, if I had to pick one driver to say that I'm going to have my eyes on, uh, I'm really keen to see how uh, Kevin Estra, who's, I'm a big fan of Kevin, I think he's a great, great driver, but I've only known him racing GT machinery. That's all he's ever done. Interested to see how a big talent like him gets on in a, in a prototype and the guy doing the lapping, not doing, you know, letting people through or, you know, trying to judge the traffic from his mirrors basically so this i don't say off topic but kind of changing from drivers and cars 
the calendar this year you know starts in just about i think two months from tomorrow is round one at sebring but obviously every every track i feel like on the on the WEC championship calendar is kind of epic so other than lamar which is obviously like when we talk about the indy 500 is you know everybody's favorite race Mm. what is your kind of favorite race to watch outside of the obvious great question uh We've got a short list to pick from, unfortunately, which is something I hope that changes in the future. <laughs> um, I I absolutely love Sebring. Uh, some of my earliest memories of watching endurance racing or watching, you know, American Le Mans series at Sebring or, you know, the early days of the United Sports Car Championship um, at Sebring. I loved that race, the 12 hours. And so I really like seeing the wet cars there. I think it's really interesting to watch that and compare times across the board. And I just think it's such a unique venue that we just don't, just don't have anymore. Um, yeah. It kind of still baffles me that we're allowed to race, you know, like these modern cars there. And I love it. And it's just so, <laughs> so cool to watch. Uh, so I'd say between Sebring and Spa. I think Spa is just a great circuit for racing. Um, the weather obviously is always a factor there, and I think it just lends itself to endurance racing and and, and sports cars as well. Um, plus, who's gonna say no to watching thirty eight cars go up Rouge and Radion, you know, nose to tail on on lap one, and then all the sketchy moments that come with it in traffic through there? So yeah, Sebring and Spa, I'd say, are the two. You asked me to pick one. I just can't because I just love them both. I don't. I think. I think any racing fan or media person or podcaster can never actually just pick one. Anything, <laughs> so I. I don't blame you at all. Yeah, it's difficult with a short Have list seen... as well. Yeah, yeah. We've seen some issues with some of the IMSA entries in testing uh, that are kind of getting worried about reliability going into Daytona. Have we, have you guys seen any of the same issues over on the the WEC side with testing? Is there a little bit of trepidation going into the season? Yeah, I think so. I think it's also important to remember that. uh, So LMDH or GTP is coming online in 2023, but Le Mans hypercar, the LMH cars have been racing since 21. So we've already mm. had two seasons with, you know, some of these cars, predominantly the the Toyota and the Glickenhaus. Um, but Peugeot also joined in the second half of 2022. So we have seen the hypercars racing already. And yet uh, they've had a bit of a bumpy start to this kind of new era. Um, Peugeot definitely haven't got on top of a lot of their uh, reliability concerns that have carried through the last three races of the the WEC season last year. Um, their pace has improved, but there's just been issues that have seen them spend time in the pit lane. And as we know, the idea is you just keep pounding around, right? You don't want to spend that time in pit lane. That's something that's really hurt Peugeot. Toyota had to really hustle to win the first Le Mans of the hypercar era. So in 2021, they had a real issue with fuel pickup. Um, that was shortening their stints from 11 laps down to like six or seven at times because they were having a proper issue with it. 
the drivers managing to work out a way to basically reset a sensor every time they were downshifting. So they were downshifting and spamming buttons on the wheel to basically trick the engine into thinking it was okay. You know, and that, that's Toyota, right? And that's the guys that everyone thinks are invincible and and just just go and stroll it every time and, and win easy. Um, so yeah, there, there have been those issues and it's going to be really interesting to see if the problems that we might see at Daytona in a couple of weeks time, whether those are fixed, you know, if Cadillac and Porsche are able to fix those by race one for WEC in, in Sebring or whether they're still issues that are bubbling under the surface. Um, so yeah, those, like you say, those, those reliability concerns we've been seeing actually play out for two years now. You know, we've been seeing these, these teething problems with new cars actually live at the racetrack. And maybe the only thing is that jeopardy with a smaller class, you know, there's been less cars, has allowed that to play out quite safely. Whereas now, you know, if you're Ferrari, you're Porsche, you're whoever, and you're leading a race, you know, you're leading against all these other big guns and something goes wrong, you're not able to just say, oh, you know, the car's new, we're still developing. It's going to feel like you've lost a chance to beat probably the you know the most prolific sports car uh competition in in years in decades almost so yeah those concerns we've seen they've been happening but i think now yeah that extra bit of jeopardy is 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 going to be there this year all right let's see here i lost my question list because my computer is going haywire <laughs> right now so if you are going to have a crystal ball here and you're going to look at the mm. season at the end of the year, and you're going to pick, let's just stick with the, the top class because that's obviously the one people pay the most attention sure. to. Who is the championship winning car at the end of the year or team? Whatever is easier to answer without actually having seen yeah. any action yet this year. The thing is, is this is going to be this is going to be me going on public record saying this. So if if I get it wrong, people are going to go. This guy knows nothing. I can't believe. You. Well, I can't believe. Don't worry. We we make predictions every year. Okay. And last year I actually wasn't too bad. Right. But for the previous four or five years before that, I was notoriously awful. So, really? Okay. And people still listen. So it's it's okay if your predictions are incorrect. So. If I say something, if I make a prediction now and Mike, you nod with it, I'm probably going to get it wrong. But if I say it and Frenchie nods along, then the chances are I'm going to be better. I'm going to be more on the money, right? Or I don't like your thinking, but you're probably 100% <laughs> accurate. <laughs> that implies that. So, so yes. Uh, that implies that Frenchie gets yes. it right anyway. So, yes. Um, I think that if I'm going to go neck on the line, the championship winning car is going to be the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. Kevin Estra, Andre Lotter, and Lawrence Van Tour. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say that it's talent in there, but that's pretty much the, I think, the strongest lineup in an exceptionally strong field. I don't think Porsche are going to win every race. I think they might win one or two. Um, but I think if I had to put my neck on the line and say that's the car that I think will be the champion come come the end of the season, I think it will be them. Um, other classes, it gets tricky because, you know, P2 as well, like the, 
same machinery level of competition is so high there as well uh we're seeing drivers move on to you know other other championships etc and, and again gtm so close it's quite difficult to call um but you know what for bonuses i'll give you my predictions in those as well i think the yeah. uh I think that one of the United Autosports cars is going to win in LMP2. I would probably go with the 22 car, Felipe Albuquerque, Ben Hanley and Philip Hansen, I think is going to be the the three drivers there. And in GTM, uh, I probably, I'm going to go with Corvette because I want to see Ben Keating winning, winning a Corvette. So um, I dig it. Going to go with those guys. I guess just for some of the maybe newer listeners who are looking to get into WEC this season or, you know, kind of start with this new rules package, basically, or, you know, that at least for our U.S. listeners, kind of a fresh start. Um, what's the best way to watch WEC races? I know they have a streaming package, but in the U.S., do you, uh, maybe that's not the best question to ask you if you're not yeah, in the U.S., so... but uh, is that that's the best package to watch is just kind of buy their subscription? It it is. Um, I believe in the US, it's also shown on Motor Trend. I don't know how accessible that is for people. That's probably another paid service. Um, but I think that yeah, I think if you're gonna commit and you're gonna, you know, you want to invest, then yeah, I mean, it's really well priced. Um, I, I get a lot of questions from people who say how do I watch it? I don't want to buy the stream. You know, I don't want to pay for the, the WEC, um, you know, the, the app access, etc. I would say to that, I mean, for me in the UK for a whole year, it cost me the price of two train tickets to work, you know? So, you know, my daily commute, it cost me two days of commuting to, to get however many hours of racing. Um, I think people think it's like a subscription, like you pay £15 a month or $15 a month or whatever every month. It's not that at all. You buy all the all the races in one package. It's one payment. Um, it's not too bad. So, yeah, I think I, I do understand, you know, everyone's in a different position to pay, etc. But I do think it's really well priced for what it is. And it's not like Formula One or other, you know, motorsport series that can be quite... Um, quite expensive and quite costly to follow in the uk formula one is behind a paywall you know if you want to watch it you've got to have sky and uh or you watch highlights later on on free tv but everyone wants to watch it live right so in comparison it's far more accessible appreciate the concerns about it um but yeah that that is just ultimately the best way to watch it as opposed to finding some dodgy stream on twitch that lets you down five minutes in <laughs> yeah and the motor trend subscription i had for a short time last year i think to watch lamar and it wasn't that expensive i think it was like four bucks a month or something okay. so it's it's not bad it's easy i'll if i can remember i'll post the link on our twitter this week or when the season starts but i'll wrap it up with one more question i don't know if Frenchie has anything else but you know for those who you know, are interested in learning more after listening, you know, where can they find your work, you know, website, Twitter, whatever else, uh, you know, whatever else you want to plug, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I think best place to get me is on Instagram. So that's at only endurance. Um, 
and on Twitter as well with the same tag. I'm posting there every day, um, trying to keep up with the news, etc. Post at least nice. just general appreciation for the sport as well. You know, cool car images or reels or whatever it is. Um, likewise, I'm always there answering comments, answering DMs. I think another thing is that people can feel like most sport is quite gatekeepy. Like there's quite a gatekeepers kind of mantra about sport and unfortunately that's something that seems to have evolved in formula one on social media not everyone but you know it's a a massive issue but yeah that that is definitely a whole nother podcast for you guys to deal with so i'm gonna just i'm gonna shove that issue over to you and uh... Uh, we might have to have (laughs) you back on and talk about that again we we talk about that pretty regularly right okay um i think with endurance racing there's a whole different mentality to it you know like the formula one is the nfl or the premier league of motorsports right and it's definitely the easiest to just get on board with with endurance racing it's a bit more there's a lot of jargon a lot of terms and a lot to understand and you're often there because actually you just you just really like racing and you want to watch racing and it's almost you know drama free in comparison People, there's such a sense of community. People always want to answer questions, help you out, point you in the right direction. And I like to think as well that on my page, there's a real bunch of committed people that are happy to, it's only me running it, but the people that are there, part of the community will often reply to comments themselves and and help people out. So if you're new and you really don't know what you're getting yourself into and you just want a hand to, to get up to speed, you want to start following along, then yeah, drop me a follow, drop me a DM, any questions any time of day or night if i'm up in the night to get a glass of water i'll probably reply to them anyway so uh feel free but don't hit me up with the 3am the 3am what you doing message all right on instagram that's that doesn't get me okay that that that, that won't work (laughs) that's gonna wait till the morning yeah yeah (laughs) but if someone comes in going oh tim can you explain the Who's got which chassis supply for LMDH? Three AM. I'm like, yes, you get you get ten minutes of my time. I dig it, <laughs> Frenchie. Any last questions? No, I just want to thank you for coming on, Tim. I really appreciate this. We'll have to have you back on maybe in advance of uh, Sebring 1000, or you know, just talk about Daytona or something like that. Uh, yeah, in the near yeah. future, be great to chat. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.